This Fab FM podcast is proudly brought to you by Bendigo Bank, Port Douglas and Mossman. Offering a full range of competitive banking products and technology you'd expect from a big bank with the personal service and care you'd expect from us. Furthermore, the Port Douglas branch is now excited to announce its brand new location at the Saltwater Building, Shop 9, 26 to 30 Macrossan Street. Bendigo Bank, the better big bank. Well, when Rube Hayes sent me his thoughts on the current COVID pandemic and the way it's been portrayed by media and politicians in this country, it was a breath of fresh air. Now, Rube is not pushing a political barrow. He's just looking at the whole situation through an honest lens, not a distorted one. I'm always a crusader for the truth, and it was wonderful to meet someone in Rube whose only purpose in writing this editorial was to pat on the back the ones who are truly trying to help us and others who do nothing else but hinder us in getting through this pandemic. Rube Hayes' business career background embraced 45 years in investment banking, initially specialising in research analysis. He was ranked in a survey undertaken in an Australian Financial Review article in the 80s as one of Australia's top five most influential research analysts. Rube was a member of the Australian Stock Exchange, a foundation fellow of the Australian Institute of Company Directors, a fellow of the Australian Insurance Institute and a senior fellow of the Australian Financial Services Institute. During the last 20 years of his career, He was Australian CEO of two AAA-rated global asset management businesses, both of which he founded. Post-full-time retirement was a non-executive director of a number of asset management companies. He served in the Australian Army Reserve. In sport, he's excelled at road cycling. Now fully retired, he enjoys his life in Port Douglas living at Four Mile Beach with his wife Karen. If anybody can give an analysis of how we've gone in this pandemic and where we stand right now, it's Rube Hayes. Here he is. This paper is about Australia's outstanding COVID performance uh, and highlighting that uh, Australia is leading the world in a disciplined and most effective COVID-19 recovery. Australia's achievements in dealing with COVID are the envy of the world. However, The politicising of the pandemic by some of the smaller, less affected Australian states has been a blight on the country's outstanding success. Right now, we need a total non-political team commitment to heal and recover our country efficiently back to a healthy post-COVID normalcy. Two weeks ago, New South Wales Sydney lockdowns were eased for all fully vaccinated people to enable a transition back to a more normal lifestyle. At this stage, New South Wales has achieved 93% first dose, that's the plus 16s, and vaccination full doses of 85%. And within the coming week, should be in excess of 90% full dose levels. Victoria is rapidly heading down the same track, and Melbourne's lockdown was eased last week and has achieved 91% of first dose vaccinations with fully vaccinated levels now at 75%. These levels are forecast to pass 90% during the coming fortnight. Australia's performance during the pandemic has been exceptional. We are leading the world in dealing with it as a consequence of good health services, leadership 
and our respective citizens' individual disciplined and determined approach. These outcomes have been achieved at a time when many major US, European and South American countries have been devastated by poor leadership, poor management and less effective and less committed community compliance. The vaccine rollout uh, has been exceptional. Australia shines above the rest. Australia technically has avoided the severe ravages of the pandemic. Globally, COVID deaths have become a leading killer. In Australia, COVID deaths have not been significant and racks 26, that is the bottom, in death causes in Australia over the past 18 months. Historical monthly deaths by pneumonia and influenza over this period is fivefold above the COVID level. Similarly, historical monthly deaths of suicide, prostate cancer, breast cancer are similarly around five times the COVID levels. At this stage, our two most populous states are approaching 90% full vaccination and the risk of COVID meaningfully escalating from here is significantly diminished. Our active cases per million of population are 73% below the current world average and rank outside the world's top 100 most active case countries. To support this data, the following points are worth noting. Australia, in the big picture, has virtually escaped the brunt of COVID. This is primarily because we are an island structure, we have no borders, and we were able to shut our borders early and effectively put a lockdown in place. Only 0.6% of Australia's population has contracted COVID-19 versus the world level of 3%. One of the reasons our population has only contracted 0.6% is because we have superior coordinated national and state management and excellent and resilient health testing and tracing systems, particularly in New South Wales and Victoria. Australia's death rates have been 56 per million of population or only 10% of the global rate and only 3% of the rates achieved in US and UK. This is because we have superior early detection infrastructure, strong self-isolating and lockdown initiatives, good community compliance, superior and world-class support health staff and hospital facilities. Vaccination rollouts have been an important part of our success. Australia's first vaccine rollouts are currently around 73% of our total population compared with the world at 49%, Europe at 59%, South America 66% and US 66%. We are comfortably ahead of the world norms and should rapidly achieve 90% fully vaccinated in coming months, well ahead of other major global economies. The local production of AstraZeneca and the superior sourcing capabilities for Pfizer and other successful alternative vaccines have been an important factor in achieving this success. Why are New South Wales and Victoria the key to Australia's amazing COVID achievements? Despite Australia's exceptional COVID outcomes, our press and social media platforms and fringe political factions would have us believe that we are amongst the worst in the world and are daily politicising and personalising the so-called alleged policy failures hindsight, bad calls, lagging vaccine rollouts, extended lockups, etc. Fake news at its worst. To exacerbate this fake negativism, some of our less affected, smaller population density state leaders 
appear to be inefficiently micromanaging their COVID policies for personal political kudos. Australia's outstanding success as a world leader in managing COVID rests squarely with sound federal government leadership and the New South Wales and Victorian state governments where their respective densely populated New South Wales and Victorian communities have implemented tough and effective disciplines to manage COVID. New South Wales and Victoria represent close to 60% of Australia's population and 13% of our landmass. These two states have dealt with 95% of Australia's COVID infections, primarily concentrated in high-density suburbs of Sydney and Melbourne. The remaining sparsely populated states have 40% of Australia's population spread across 87% of our landmass and have only dealt with 5% of COVID infections. COVID requires large populations in densely occupied areas to flourish. The population landmass ratio of New South Wales and Victoria is almost tenfold higher than the collective remaining states. Consequently, these remaining states have underlying structural population density COVID risk, which is 90% lower than that of New South Wales and Victoria. Australia has gone through wars, floods, fires, financial crises and depressions, all pulling together and helping each other with the Aussie team public spirit. We are also getting through this pandemic, toughing it out with our typical communal Aussie tenacity. Most of us see COVID as an uncomfortable impulse we must endure and defeat. We don't like it, but we accept our sacrifices for the better good of our Australian community. It's a shame that it appears that some of the smaller populated and less vulnerable states which have borne negligible COVID pain are now endeavouring to stall our nation's COVID recovery plans with political ambivalence and seeking extortion and compensation deals claims to grant their support. They have had a relatively free ride and, notwithstanding this, their vaccination participation levels are well behind their fellow states. They now don't appear to have the fortitude to back Australia as a united nation to lead this country out of the pandemic with the skills that New South Wales and Victoria have demonstrated to date. Notwithstanding this, Australia's emergence from the pandemic off our impressive very low exposure and death rate base should be a smoother task than the majority of the most severely disrupted global economies. The COVID emergence strategy is predicated on achieving maximum community vaccination levels, which significantly eliminate the death risk from infection. There is a clear pattern emerging over recent months of significantly increased vaccination activity that the vast majority of the more recent hospitalizations and ICU cases were unvaccinated or already had life-threatening conditions. Transitioning the wind down of COVID restrictions and progressive opening of state borders is the only way Australia can move forward to a more normal and more prosperous nation. The reality of this COVID crisis is that Australia, along with New Zealand, are one of the very few select countries to have, by a very wide margin, achieved some of the lowest per capita COVID infections and the lowest death rates within the world. The press is not telling us this. They are not highlighting that some of the smaller states' political agendas are potentially destabilising our unity as a nation and appear to be treating the COVID experience as a daily overt political point-scoring competition. 
It is difficult to understand why there is so much junk journalism seeking to politically point score during this pandemic by discrediting and microanalyzing with hindsight every aspect of healthcare initiatives, vaccinations, infection numbers, deaths, border closures, lockdowns, etc. Senior federal and state political and health leaders have been the prime target. The fervour of many of the press and political opportunists to individually target hindsight blame gains to our political or healthcare leaders for their decisions could be viewed by most as cowardly, unprofessional and un-Australian. The bottom line of the big picture is that, as Australians, we are winning the COVID game big time by having superior compliance team culture and a dedication to win despite the difficult but successful lock-up regimes. We don't like it, but we accept it as a necessary sacrifice to control the virus and get our lives back on track, and it's working. The message to the press should be to cut the unproductive, negative blame game rubbish and support all our diverse political and healthcare management teams and praise their team's outcomes, which collectively have been outstanding. Australians need to be uplifted by the success of the outcomes of their hardships in life and family dislocations over the past 18 months. Let them know we are winning and are a world-class act and well ahead of the game. As a nation, we will in coming months expect all states to achieve 90% full vaccination, which will provide a clear path to return to a more reasonable normalcy. Basically, Australia has not had a meaningful pandemic in the global context. COVID has been the number one killer in US, number two in UK, and number five in the world over the past 18 months, surpassing coronary heart disease. COVID deaths in Australia ranked last, and influenza and pneumonia have killed five times more than COVID over the past 18 months. It doesn't matter what our respective individual political persuasions are. The facts are our political system provided us with a federal government process which took leadership and ownership of the coordination of the six state governments to individually manage their respective states' implementation of the COVID challenges. This former has worked despite a politically diverse and at times divisive dialogue. Most states have successfully delivered their own distinct management styles to achieve their respective team outcomes for all Australians, irrespective of partisan political differences. Unfortunately, the more sparsely populated lower-risk Western Australian and Queensland states, which have 55% of the Australian landmass and only 30% of the population and only 2.5% of COVID infections, do not appear to have worked as an Australian team. Many Australians see these state leaderships as parochial and lacking the vision and fortitude to embrace a united and team approach to facilitate a strong COVID emergence program. The fact that these two states do not appear to understand that Australia as a team has delivered the best COVID outcomes in the world, which they left to the rest of Australia to deal with by pulling down their shutters. They don't seem to realise that because the most vulnerable and most populous areas of New South Wales and Victoria have endured significant pain to achieve our world COVID leadership position, it's now time to re-engage as a united front to lead Australia to a strong and committed exit from the pandemic. The more populous states, which have been significantly dislocated with family, financial, social and mental impairments from lockdowns and restrictions, 
are now accelerating towards a 90% full vaccination target expected to be achieved in coming weeks. It is now time to open up and get on with life as a fully vaccinated nation. Queensland and Western Australia are two months away from achieving a 90% vaccination targets and again have let Australia down by playing politics rather than the Aussie team spirit. In conclusion, it is time for Queensland and Western Australia to get back into the real world and embrace, support and have empathy for their fellow Australians who have suffered so much over the past year of lockups. What we need to do right now is to consolidate our impressive COVID achievements and demonstrate to the world that our Aussie team's resilience is leading us back to a new style of superior COVID normalcy as a lucky, smart and united disciplined nation. We're amongst the best in the world and we can be proud of it.